The Arizona football winter signing special. The only thing more interesting to talk about in December would be us not blowing a 19-point lead and actually playing in a bowl game. Wildcat Radio. Welcome, Wildcast, Wildcat Radio, the most interesting podcast in the world covering Arizona football, Arizona basketball, and Arizona recruiting news. Uh, my name is Rick DeNice, and um, joined with me tonight on this Wildcat recruiting special is Bryant Conger. Hey, hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm fine. It might be myself and my three kids that are up way past their bedtime. So if you hear a door open and loud crying, I promise we're good parents. Perfect, perfect. Well, and I've got uh, two golden retrievers that run in and out of my office, so I think we're kind of in the same boat. <laughs> and then um, also joining us is uh, Rick Powell. Rick, how you doing? You know, I have two of my most favorite days of the year this week. One is National Signing Day, which is on Wednesday. And then there's Thursday, which is my annual Twitter purge, where I can unfollow all of the 16 and 17 year olds that I know aren't going to Arizona. So it's it's a really exciting time in the Powell household, gentlemen. <laughs> nice. Much much like you, I kind of have to rethink my uh, life choices and and you know kind of what my priorities are uh, that day after signing day. It's a little weird. <laughs> I would put I put 7-Eleven day, the free Slurpee day, uh, as a very close third in terms of my favorite days. So Rick, I'm I'm right there. With with you, man. That's a great point. That's a great point. Well, and if, if, uh, if all of you out there hadn't noticed, um, uh, Bryant and I are kind of switching positions tonight. Um, you know, we're taking this special over, um, and having kind of a Rick and Rick fest. And then Bryant decided to join on for the ride as well. So, um, I think, uh, you know, we've got some pretty good commentary to go over with this class and there's quite a bit, um, going on. I think, you know, a great place to start would be for us to look at the overall themes of this recruiting class. And, you know, one thing that really stuck out to me guys and and i don't know how you feel about it but um we complained for at least the last couple years from what i can remember a huge issue with us not recruiting texas and recruiting california um a little bit more softly than we have in the past and with this class at least as it's shaping up uh to potentially sign on wednesday and we're recording this on monday night uh, it looks like we have six uh texas recruits and then five from california so that's a big theme um brian are you happy with the direction the way that's going yeah it was always confused when we had antonio parks on this podcast and rick i remember rick powell i remember you and i interviewing him it was a really good interview and the fact that he was from louisiana i just kind of had to go like what <laughs> he's from louisiana how did, how did we get that pipeline and we kind of got some players coming out of there but at the end of the day, I think you need those Texas players. There's so many, I mean, people take Texas high school football so seriously. And I'm, I'm excited, but I know, you know, Rick Powell, you have a better feel for some of the players we've had in the past out of Texas and some of the players that are coming in. Yeah, I think probably like the, the, the biggest uh, thing to be excited about as far as Texas is concerned is just strictly like the size of athlete that comes from the state of Texas. Um, in college football today, I think that there's, especially like on the offensive side of the ball, there's been kind of a, a little bit more emphasis put on, uh, you know, smaller backs. That's something that we've had to, uh, to get used to at Arizona under Rich Rodriguez. But now there's a complete shift into uh, the guys that we're recruiting from Texas and just the, the overall physical nature that these guys bring to the table not to say that they don't grow them big elsewhere but uh as they say everything's bigger in texas and i think that especially the guys that we have coming in from this class from texas really do exemplify that 
And guys, speaking of big, um, you know, another theme I think that comes to mind is bringing in the beef on the lines. And again, another theme that I feel like Arizona fans have been starving for underneath Rich Rodriguez that looks like it's changing a little bit um, is the beef that's coming in on the lines. I, a couple good examples, and we'll kind of dive into this later, is Josh Donovan at 6'5", 330 um, on the offensive side. And then Miles uh, Tapasoa uh, is 6'3", 325. Um, so, I mean, some projected beef big boys in that in that side or in that uh, uh the offensive and defensive lines i'm just glad that rick's here to pronounce all of the <laughs> the pacific island <laughs> names for us this is gonna be so, great so, 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 so yep. yeah so for miles the a at the end is actually science so it's t- tapuso <laughs> i knew it i knew oh, there was i knew there's something there wrong go. you said rick tonight <laughs> <laughs> at least we got the other rick here to uh to uh fix all the names for me so um you know, and, and moving on, moving on, guys. You know, we're projected currently at fifty third in the nation. Um, you know, two uh, from two forty seven. Um, you know, pr- we're currently projected ninth in the Pac twelve. Uh, you know, one thing that I think we discussed earlier in the fall um, when we were kind of looking at this class and hoping that they would be better um, was you know the the instant prowess that we thought Kevin Sumlin and, and Mazzoni and, and a couple of the other um, D- Demetrius Martin, a couple of the other coaches coming in might have. Um, do you guys feel like that this class is is a little bit lacking in terms of the rankings? Um, do you think that you know it, it could have been better? You know, where do you guys see at least some surface level holes at? Uh, well, to, I'll, I'll start off uh, by by answering that just by saying that I think that a lot of the um, something that's been lost in the shuffle with this recruiting class is just how late Kevin Sumlin was hired at Arizona. He's, he's been on the job less than 10 months at this point. You know, he was hired at the end of January, so he didn't have any kind of say with the class that was coming in in 2018. And he just barely has gotten the foothold on this class in 2019. He's had to rely on a lot of relationships um, that he had fostered at, at Houston while he was at Houston. And as far as Texas is concerned, going into high schools like Dallas skyline is really big to establish that pipeline for Arizona. So I, I think he's still, you know, hitting the ground running as far as recruiting is concerned. And we're going to continue to see better classes, but you know, overall in 10 months, I think he's done what he's, he's been able to do as far as getting guys who probably weren't really going to be looking at Arizona to look at Arizona. Um, and I think that that's definitely saying something. And then on, on top of that, just to hear the stories of just how much recruits like, uh, a lot of the coaches on the recruiting staff. I'm hearing, uh, you know, really good things about Demetrius Martin. Uh, you know, if he had gone on to uh, take another job, it sounds like we probably would have lost a couple of recruits. And then every single offensive lineman that is interviewed has something to say about Joe Gilbert. Um, so that that's looking like a really outstanding hire as far as the recruiting is concerned. And just, you know, to start building a team around the offensive lineman and Joe Gilbert and having him go out and be able to, to bring in kids that are wanting to play for him and are, you know, of a high caliber quality is, I think, really going to get this uh, staff going on the, down the right path. If I can jump in, I definitely agree with you, Rick Powell, on Joe Gilbert, and I would add the defensive line coach, and I can't pronounce his name either. But, <laughs> uh, but honestly, those guys deserve a raise. What they were able to do with the talent that they had at Arizona coming into this coaching. I mean, how many times preseason were we talking about how worried were we, we were about the offensive line? And they performed pretty well compared to what the expectations were. And I'm really excited about that. I think it will bring in some better talent as the years go by. But I do want to push back a little bit on 
what I was expecting out of Kevin Sumlin. I would argue that the first couple of years that a coach is at a university, I give him last year a total pass just because of how late, like you mentioned, Rick, he was hired on. This year was the year I thought we'd see more of a jump. And we still definitely have a couple four-star players, I think, and we'll get to that, that I think will commit to Arizona. With that said, I I was expecting a little bit more out of a a coach that was known as a strong recruiter and uh, and a coach that hired people and assistants that put an emphasis on recruiting. That was the biggest knock against Rich Rodriguez was that we had some offensive coordinators and stuff that really didn't want to get their hands dirty um, when it came into the recruiting game. And now that we do, we're still we still have a class that is on par with a lot of the classes that Rich Rodriguez brought in his you know fourth fifth year at Arizona. So. Um, you know, it's it's all about talent development, too. I understand all of that. But I was thinking we'd have maybe a mid-40s class. And that still might happen with a couple more people if they jump on board. But I would assume we might lose a few as well. Um, that seems to always happen. I don't know who it's going to be. And you guys, again, know better than I do. But I'm I'm a little underwhelmed, but not not overly underwhelmed. Um, yeah. I don't know. One, and, and Brian, just to jump in, I think, you know, I looked at this class and I think that we were pretty critical, um, you know, as of a couple months ago, but in, in kind of breaking down the film and taking a look at, you know, so what is, what some of these guys have done over their four year high school careers or their Juco careers. Um, it, it seems like this could be a really sneaky, good class. Um, a couple years down the road, we may look back and go, wow, you know, they weren't highly rated. I mean, we have a, a heck of a lot of three stars in here, but there are some kids with quite a few offers from really big name programs. Um, and that's a really good thing to see. And I think to Rick's point, you know, he's only had 10 months to do that. So, um, I think there's, there's a lot to be said for that. Um, so guys, let's, let's do this. Let's jump into a positional, um, you know, group overview. Um, and we'll start out with the offense and, you know, let's talk about kind of the crown jewel of this class and the shining star that is Grant Gunnell, um, coming out of Texas, um, St. Pius X, out of Houston. Um, he is actually 6'6", 222 pounds. So he is a big boy. Um, currently rated as a three-star um, by a 247, um, number 404 overall. I would anticipate, and I, I think we've we've heard from other uh, sources as well, that he will probably end up moving up to a four-star um, you know, guy when it's all said and done. But he's currently rated as the 15th best pro-style QB in the class. And, and basically, um, it's the opinion of a lot of people that he shouldn't have been dropped um, as low as he, he he was, but he was hurt during a few critical camps um, and, and really didn't have good performances. Um, guys, just wrap your, your minds around this. 428 attempts um, over uh, his senior season, um, 294 completions for 4,752 yards, um, 53 passing touchdowns versus seven seven interceptions, 544 rush yards, eight rushing touchdowns. Um, Guys, he's been on varsity since freshman year, played 46 games for those guys. He's thrown for over 16,000 yards, which is a Texas state record, by the way. And we know how many good quarterbacks come from Texas. Um, Drew Brees actually just finished out the uh, Monday night game. And he's, he, uh, you know, had the record for a long time, 195 touchdowns um, on, uh, over through the air, a 70% completion percentage through four years in high school and only 20 
28 interceptions. And oh, by the way, he ran for 1600 yards with 28 touchdowns. Um, everybody in the world offered this kid guys. What do you think about, um, you know, what Grant Gunnell could possibly mean for this program moving forward for the next four or five years? Um, and if, if Khalil Tate does leave, um, you know, is, does he stand a chance to be a freshman starter heading into next year? Uh, Rick, I'll throw it to you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, T-Pain basically wrote his song about this kid because all Grant Cannell does is win. Um, and I think that that was on display pretty much through all of the, uh, the accolade season. Uh, as far as Texas high school football is concerned, he, he pretty much ran the gauntlet as far as the award season was concerned. Um, you know, offensive, everything, all football, everything, um, you know, all Houston, everything. So he's, he's definitely someone who has a proven track record in high school. And now it's up to him to, to transition into college. And I think that he probably has the best skill set of any quarterback that uh, Arizona's had come in over the last uh, 10 years or so as far as just what he brings to the table from just a pure quarterback uh, position. And, and I think that probably what he has going for him that some of the other quarterbacks on Arizona's roster might not have is an excellent relationship with offensive coordinator, uh, offensive coordinator Noel Mazzoni. Um, you know, when it sounded like Mazzoni might be retiring after the season, Gunnell's commitment was definitely something that was up in the air at that point. But the fact that Mazzoni is going to be back at Arizona next season, I think, is ultimately what gets Grant Gunnell to Arizona. So I know Mazzoni's foaming at the mouth to work with this kid. Um, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, with the, the kind of the way that college football is these days where you have to win and you have to win right away. I think uh, Grant Ganella is in a very good position to play next year and, and to play early, whether Khalil Tate's there or not, um, you know, and that's still up in the air. So we'll definitely have to keep an eye on that. Um, the fact that Ganella is coming in early, he'll be um, in for the spring semester, I think really helps to, to, um, to bolster his chances as well. Yeah. And, and Brian, what do you think about this quarterback group? If we are able to bring him into the fold and he signs on Wednesday, um, I mean, you're basically looking at a group, um, you know, that is going to include, uh, potentially Khalil Tate again, coming back as a starter, uh, Rhett Rodriguez, uh, Jamari Joyner, who was obviously a high ranking prospect, uh, out of Arizona. And then Kevin Doyle, who everybody talked about bringing in, uh, you know, from, from last year's class and, you know, potentially having a good shot at winning the job. I think a couple things on that. The first would be, if I'm Kevin Doyle's parents, I am not super thrilled with this coaching staff. When you have the opportunity to be able to play in at least four games and you're sitting behind Jamari Joyner and Red Rodriguez, I would have liked to have seen what Kevin Doyle brings to the program um, and what he's able to do because he was somebody that I think a lot of people were excited about when he came to Arizona. We didn't see him the entire year when there's this opportunity to kind of test drive your quarterbacks. So I'm uncertain on Kevin Doyle. I wasn't impressed that much with Jamari Joyner, but on that front, I wasn't super impressed with what a Khalil Tate did his freshman year either. I mean, these are freshman quarterbacks, and it takes a long time to learn the system and uh, to be able to to step step up to really strong pressure. One of the questions I had about Gunnell is, by the way, I love St. Pius X. That is such a dirty, awesome name. Like if I were, I'm assuming they're a Catholic school. If I'm a Catholic school, that would be the name that I would have. Um, do you know the type of talent that he was going up against? I'm assuming it was probably the highest level, but uh, again, I don't follow that that kind of that level of high school football. Yeah. St. St. Pius is one of the premier programs in Houston. So they, they play at the highest level in Texas. Okay. That that's good. Um, I, you know, 
if he look, if he wins the job, he wins the job. And I think let's remove Khalil Tate from the equation for a moment. Um, hey, look, though, he's a true freshman and we saw what happens. Uh, <laughs> USC is a perfect example of what happens sometimes when you get true freshmen to, to step into the system and try to figure out how to um, operate an offense against much higher level talent. Um, but look, I don't I don't know a ton about him. I'm ex- if he wins the job, I'm super excited about that because we're going to have him um, at least two or three years after that yeah. but I, I don't you know it's just difficult to I, I tend to be more wary when it comes to freshman quarterbacks leading an offense uh their first year but shoot if he beats out Jamari Joyner and Doyle that's that's really good news on our end uh and that that would be pretty exciting yeah absolutely well let's let's switch gears um let's hit uh running backs real quick um you know not a big uh class um you know that, that we were looking at bringing in uh to be honest we still got jj taylor as a sophomore gary brightwell um and then uh anthony uh, mariscal um as a senior next year so we've got quite a few guys uh in the stable um but we did uh it looks like we're going to get a commitment and uh hopefully a sign letter of intent um from michael wiley um at a straight jesuit high school in Houston as well. Um, he's actually estimated to sign in February at this point. Um, he's a five foot ten, 175 pound back, um, three star guy, number one, uh, 1,457 overall. Um, his lead recruiter was actually Clarence McKinney, who just recently left the program. Um, you know, on paper, you look at his offer list. I mean, he had McNeese State, Princeton, Yale, um, and you know, looking at the type of game that he has and, and studying his film, he's more of a scat back type of running back. Um, I think he's got good hands um, in terms of the passing game and, and, you know, kind of is a little bit in the mold of a JJ Taylor. Um, He's got a great ability to break the first tackle, but, you know, I I took a look at him. I went, you know, he's not overly elusive and, you know, he's, he's, um, you know, mostly utilizing the off tackle run game. So, you know, he doesn't get between the tackles a lot, which, you know, I think, you know, is something that we, we kind of have looked for um, and, and, uh, you know, wanted to hopefully see, see them bring in a bigger guy at that, that area. Um, so Rick, what, you know, what are your thoughts real quick, um, on Michael Wiley, anything to add to that? Yeah. So, you know, this this was a situation where I I think his commitment was a little bit up in the air just because like you had mentioned, Clarence McKinney was his lead recruiter and, and left for the Texas state position, or I'm sorry, the, uh, yeah, Texas, Texas state, Texas, Texas Southern, Texas Southern. Okay. Yeah. Texas Southern head coaching job. Um, and, uh, but from, from what I heard, it, it, it does sound like he is planning on signing on Wednesday, um, which was a switch up from February. I don't know if it was a case of the coaches, let him, you know, were letting him know that if he was going to continue to, to be recruited, that they were going to have to also recruit other running backs, or if he just finally decided to, to, to end things. But, uh, from what I'm hearing lately, it does sound like he will be signing on Wednesday with the rest of the class. Great. Well, let's jump into the offensive line, guys. So, um, you know, one big, big position of need that we've discussed uh, at length has been the offensive line. And I think they've done a good job to address this thus far. And I'm really excited, actually, about these prospects. Um, Josh Donovan uh, right now is from uh, is, is the first one. He's from Trinity Valley Juco um, in Athens, Texas. He's actually est- uh, estimated a sign on Wednesday. He's six foot five, 330 pounds. Um, he's a three-star number 90 overall Juco and is 
his lead recruiter was Joe Gilbert. Now, his offer list has Arkansas, McNeese State, and UNLV, but um, you know what I saw on tape was that he's got great work, footwork, an explosive first step. I think he moves really well laterally and keeps his arms extended and forces ends to limit their moves um, in terms of what they can do. He's got a pretty nasty streak, and I think he could potentially come in and start immediately in 2019 um, at you know one of the tackle positions um, or a guard position potentially if they want to move him down. Um, I, I think he's going to be a really great player. Another guy to add in there too um, that you know I think is is coming from uh, you know the other side of the world. Jamari Williams is from Cardinal Gibbons High School in Fort Lauderdale, Lauderdale Florida. Um, he's estimated to sign on Wednesday as well. Another three-star recruit, um, number 1,168 overall. Um, and he had offers from Arizona, Louisville, BC, and Bowling Green. Um, another big kid, um, long arms. I think that he's going to develop and, and he may be um, you know, a redshirt candidate if we're not too thin um, on the line, but uh, he may be you know, put into that position to play early. Um, guys, did you have a chance to take a look at either of these kids yet? Yeah, so uh, you know, I, I think probably I'm 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 really excited as far as what we're doing as uh, you know as far as bringing in uh, really big offensive linemen from the JUCO ranks. I think that this was something that um, was glaringly obviously uh, obvious the last two years was just how much Rich Rodriguez and his staff forgot to recruit the offensive line position. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, you have five guys that you're throwing out there. Um, and you have to have guys to back them up. You can't just rely on your five guys to stay healthy and protect your quarterback all year long. Uh, you have to have significant depth at the offensive line positions. And the way that you do that is by recruiting these Juco kids and these bounce, bounce back kids, um, you know, from, from other division one programs. Uh, and the fact that it was ignored for so long, um, you know, really kind of set this staff back as far as what they're trying to do, creating depth offensive line wise. And I think that both of these guys coming from the junior college ranks really give them a, uh, a, a leg up as far as getting back to, to where they need to be as far as recruiting depth that the offensive line is concerned. And guys, one more one more guy we'll throw in the mix. I wanted to save the best for last. Kind of is uh, Jordan Morgan from Marina High School, um, and you know he was kind of Arizona had offered him, and then you saw USC and ASU jump in the mix. Um, he's really under the radar because he's in Southern Arizona, um, and you know not within uh, you know I would say the Tucson metro area. Um, so you know I think it took a little while for for uh, a lot of schools to kind of pick up on this kid. But I was watching film of him and. And, you know, I've, I've read a lot of stuff on Twitter, um, seeing a lot of expert um, experts weigh in on this. I mean, there's a lot of people that think he's a little bit more of a project. But by the time it's all said and done in a couple of years, he could be an all pack 12 caliber type type of player. You know, he stands right now six foot five, 270 pounds. You could see him adding potentially another 40, 50 pounds onto that frame. Um, he's got great long arms, um, you know, great pad level, explosive first step. Um, I really liked how he uh, was pass blocking as well. I mean, a great punch, um, you know, through his hands. And then, you know, when he was able to get downfield, he was hitting a lot of, um, you know, second level guys, linebackers, safeties coming downhill. Um, so I'm really excited about this guy as well. Um, you know, Brian, anything to add on the line? I'm just excited to see what Joe Gilbert can do with this 
with, with this talent. Like that, that is something that I am so high on and so excited about. There was a lot with this coaching staff that, uh, and obviously the, the struggles that the team found this year, but the offensive line, which again was the biggest freaking worry as an Arizona fan ended up not being a problem at the end of the season. In the beginning it does, but you kind of have to figure out what your talent is and how they are able to link together. I think in Rick Powell, you know this more than anybody, the the key with an offensive line is is that ability to be bigger than the sum of the parts, right? Like you you need to have and build up a team and a squad that can actually push forward. And how many times have we seen teams that don't have the star power per se put together these really strong lines that are able to carry a team, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, you know it's important to also recruit guys. Um, on your offensive line who are going to uh, do things the right way. Um, n- not only just, uh, you know, on the field, but also in the classroom academically. A lot of the times your offensive linemen are your smartest guys on the field. Um, they have to read coverages better than anyone else um, and call out those schemes. So um, I do think that there's a couple of guys with this offensive line class that really fit that mold. Um, and I don't think that, you know, we're done talking about what this offensive line class is going to look like. Um, by the end of February, I can see Arizona adding definitely at least one more, if not two or three more. I'm glad you brought yeah. that up because that was actually a question that I had was, is three enough for the lack of depth <laughs> that we've had on this team? So where, where do the, I mean, this is the early signing period. So Rick, are you saying that over the next couple of months, we're going to get more people after that early period? Uh, I actually think that probably we'll have at least four um, sign on uh, on Wednesday as oh. far as offensive linemen are concerned. So I do think that there's a silent commitment in there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we'll have to see whether or not the staff wants to uh, take on one more offensive lineman if they'll have room as far as this class is concerned. So I want to see Joe. I think we'll talk about the, the player a little in a, in a little bit if, uh, if I know Rick. Oh, man. Okay. All right. I like this. All right. Go ahead. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> A little foreshadowing. Um, perfect. Well, and, and so let's finish this out, guys. Uh, the offensive side of the ball out with Jalen Johnson. Um, you know, he is a six foot, 490 pound wide receiver from Eleanor Roosevelt High School in Corona, California. Um, he's estimated to sign with us on Wednesday. He is currently our only wide receiver commit, um, but he runs a four five five and he has a 36 inch vert. Um, he's a three star um, and uh, uh, number 1,167 overall um, recruited by Taylor Mazzoni. Um, and he had offers to OSU, Utah, CSU, and New Mexico. Um, watching this kid, guys, on film, he's got great footwork off the line. Um, I thought he caught he, – he does a good job at catching the ball away from his body. Um, he's got a big body that he utilizes um, within the routes to actually um, you know, catch the ball in between defenders. I think um, with a little support and a little help, um, you know, with him continuing to improve ex- his explosion out of his breaks and catching the ball in stride, he could be a real monster for us, especially in the offense. And, you know, we saw with Sean Poindexter this year, who is now going to be gone. Um, and also Sean Brown, when we have guys that come in and bring that big playability, um, it really does wonders for our offense when we, you know, can pick up 30, 40 yards at a time. So I'm really excited about this guy. Any thoughts on him real quick? Yeah. And I, I, I think probably that that 4.55 is a little misleading too, because I think he's actually a little bit quicker than that. Uh, when he clocked out official time, that was back at the SoCal opening regional camp. Um, and it had been raining for like three days and he was running on a, on a field that had been, you know, pretty soaked. So, uh, I, I think he's probably a little bit faster than that. And, uh, his size gives him 
uh, a real advantage coming into to uh, to fall camp next year as far as getting early playing time. I think that he's definitely a guy that uh, you know we'll definitely see in at least four games, if if not more, next year. Just as far as wide receiver depth is concerned, um, and I, I think that you know especially with the two quarterbacks that will seemingly be competing for that starting job, I think that he gives um, either of them a tremendous advantage as far as having a guy who can go up and get it um i love that vertical on him he i mean 36 inches is is, is pretty ridiculous and he, he definitely looks the part as far as a uh, a division one uh wide receiver is concerned yeah one yeah. of the things that we're trying to do on the podcast is called ball, balls and strikes one of the biggest criticisms of the rich rodriguez era was the fact that they were recruiting these constant 511 it was uh, i don't know if you ever saw garden state guys where there's that scene where he's in a casting room and he looks down the hallway and everybody looks the exact same because they're yeah. <laughs> as him they're the same height the same hair color the same everything because they're all trying to get the same you know uh, play play in some movie that was kind of arizona's wide receiving core for a while where it was a lot of like five ten guys that were fast but they didn't have the size and that changed with last year's recruiting class and the year before like we're starting to get more size but to get the size and the speed this is of all look obviously grant ganell's the the biggest one but this jalen johnson was one of the guys that really stood out for me when he was recruited because he has the athleticism and he has the size and i just so i'm, I'm just so big on that like we've seen in the pac-12 what happens when you have tall, athletic, strong wide receivers? This is a conference that has some pretty interesting offensive minds. So I'm interested to see what happens with him and Mazzoni. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think and Keel Harry uh, up at ASU was a great example of, of what these guys can turn into. So um, let's let's go ahead and switch over to the defensive side of the ball, guys. And um, every everybody's favorite, um, the defensive line. And guys, we were so worried about this unit two years ago um, and, and potentially what we had, potentially where it was going. Um, that last year of Rich Rodriguez wasn't very good. And and I know that, you know, Marcel Yates is it looks like back for another run, at least from what we can tell so far. Um, but one area that I'm super excited about for next year is our defensive line. And when you look at guys like Josh Brown coming back, um, you know, Mikey Irving, um, you know, PJ Johnson potentially getting a fifth year um, and then having Fenton Connolly um, and then adding potentially these guys uh, on defense, these um, these three uh, four defensive linemen that that um, are currently uh, committed to us. I think we have the potential to have a top five in the Pac-12 defensive line, and maybe even better than that if everything gels and PJ Johnson comes back. So to just dive right in on this, um, the uh, the first guy that we're getting is actually a foreign product. Um, and here we go, another name that I'm going to butcher, but um, Sylvain Yunden. <laughs> Um, is a defensive end out of Belgium. He's estimated to sign on Wednesday. He's six foot four, 230 pounds, and runs a four, five, eight, 40 yard dash. Um, and then um, a, another guy that we're, that we uh, got a commitment from, Miles, uh, um, and Rick, correct me on this again, uh, Tapasoa. Um, Eastern Arizona College um, estimated sign on Wednesday as well is six foot three, three hundred twenty-five pounds coming in. He's a three-star prospect as well in the number ninety-two overall JUCO. He's got offers from Houston, Idaho, New Mexico, um, Oregon, which everybody loves. Um, and uh, and you know these guys. I think you look at one. Um, you look at uh, Sylvain, and, and I think what you're seeing is uh, another project that is coming in. Um, you know, a guy that obviously played overseas, and who know how, knows how 
good the talent level is in Belgium. Um, but I think a young guy that looks like, you know, he's fairly athletic, has a lot of good lateral quickness, has quick feet um, and a big frame to kind of build on. And Arizona's had recent success um, on the lines, you know, with with uh, recruiting international players. So there's there's um, definitely a need there. And, and potentially this guy could fill that gap in the next couple of years. And then um, I think Miles can step in immediately and really support us um, opposite of uh, PJ Johnson. If, if everything goes, goes according to plan. So I'm really excited about both of these guys. Um, guys, any thoughts on, on either of these two? Yeah, I think probably the, the, the biggest thing for me is just how um, with this, these defensive line recruits, it seems like they've hit each, each, each position on the line. As far as um, you know, that, that four technique is concerned, you have a really athletic defensive end and uh, Jan Dujan, um, you know, the, the Belgian product, he's probably going to take a little bit of time to work into the mix, but I think he's one of those guys that you'll be able to, to blitz off of the edge. Um, or maybe even in that four-two-five scheme, kind of have him sit back in the gap a little bit, depending on how his ability to stop the run is. It'll be interesting to see how he transitions into American football, um, especially because he's only been playing it for two years. Um, I know he's also fairly new to uh, doing, you know, just working out in general, but it does seem like he's uh, got a really athletic frame. Um, I read that he has almost no body fat, which is, is I, I think, something that's kind of unique for um, a defensive player, uh, just as far as the, the strength of pure strength is concerned. And then as far as, uh, to, uh, to Tapu, now you're going to get me screwed up. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Tapu. So as far as Tapu, so is concerned, um, I just really like the size that, that he's going to be bringing to the table. Um, along with the other guys on the offensive or uh, I'm sorry, the defensive line, uh, Trayvon Mason um, and, and um, Kane Bradford. Those are guys that are going to have really, really big bodies that you're coming in and throwing on your defensive line. And that's, that's a complete 180 from, from what we were um, putting up with over the last two or three years. Um, so it's, it, you know, these, the, the guys that we're bringing in for, for the defensive line here, to me proves that the coaching staff came in, they identified a huge area um, as far as where they needed to recruit and they went out and they got guys that fit that need, whether it was at the Juco level or finding kind of a, an under the radar prospect like Kane Bradford a little bit um, who, who needed a little bit of a hand up as far as academics were concerned. They went out yeah. and they got the guys that they needed. So I think that, uh, you know, the defensive line, you know, was a huge area of concern, but I'm not going to be as worried about it next year. Yeah. And, and guys, just to bring up Trayvon Mason, because I, I took a look at him and, and watched a lot of film on him. And honestly, he reminds me of another PJ Johnson. Um, and, and I don't think he, he's, I think he's very quick for his size and I think he sheds blocks well in traffic, but he's not overwhelmingly explosive. He's kind of like a big bowling ball, um, just down there, you know, in the ABC gap, um, and, and can kind of move around. And, and I think he's got great hands as a defensive lineman and can create separate Operation to make some plays on the interior. So I'm really excited about this core group. And, and I think, you know, this potentially could provide us with not only enough depth to uh, be really competitive and, and have a really great run defense um, moving through 2019, which, you know, cross our fingers, our defense has to get better. Um, but I also think it gives us the opportunity to potential, potentially redshirt one or two of these guys and develop them rather than just throw guys in the mix and see what sticks. So um, let's move on to the. Hey, the, wait, wait, uh, wait, wait, hold on. Yeah, I, I, I totally get 
where you guys were coming from and you were incredibly eloquent and, and I understand that this is, this is a good thing, but we all remember what happened the last time we brought in a recruit from Belgium, right? Like Sean Miller just disappeared him. <laughs> what happened to him? What happened to Omar? Where'd Omar go? <laughs> I was, I was waiting to see where you were going to take that. I had no idea where that was going. That was a rush. No. That was a rush. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I, uh, no, it's, it's nice to get the size on, on the defensive line and to have some, some cats that are athletic and are able to be able to push. And I don't know it'll, it'll be interesting. And again, I think our defensive line coach did a very good job. And yes, we have some talent there, but uh, I was, you know, like they, they run those, videos at the beginning of the year because they don't let anybody interview anybody on the uh, Arizona <laughs> on the Arizona coaching staff uh, but so we had those like 30 or these three minute clips of all these coaches and I was really impressed with Joe Gilbert the one I wasn't as impressed with was the uh, the defensive line coach oh my god he's got that stick and he's walking around and all this stuff he's not saying a whole lot um, but man the performance on the field speaks for itself so whatever that whatever that guy's doing he's doing it right and it's nice to be excited and optimistic about uh, a weakness that we've had for the last five years so one well, and guys one thing to point out too and we shred Marcel Yates so much I feel like on this podcast sometimes because of the way the defense shows up but he's actually the lead recruiter on three out of the four of these guys so whether or not um, you know it's it's Iona coming kind of coming in and and throwing his initial pitch out there and then Marcel Yates kind of closing these kids um, you know it's still getting done and and you know Marcel it looks like has a big um, hand in that so I guess we got to give him credit where credit's due so um, to kind of move on, guys, um, let's talk about the linebackers. So, um, you know, again, I think a strength of this team that, you know, p- potentially wasn't a strength two years ago and and somewhere where we were kind of looking for answers. Um, and it seems that we've got, you know, potentially what I would say is our, you know, t- top five recruit um, in this class for us, uh, Quabina Watson out of Edison High School, Fresno, California, um, estimated to sign on Wednesday. Um, and you guys all remember Robert Golden came from Edison High School. So that's been a, it's, it's been a pretty good hotspot um, going all the way back to the Mike Stoops days um, for Arizona football. And I'm glad to see See that we're recruiting it again. Um, this guy's a three-star, um, number 808 overall. Um, you know, lead recruiter John Rushing. Um, this guy had offers from everybody. I mean, we're talking LSU, Florida State, Mississippi State, Oregon, USC, and he actually uh, committed to us um, way back in the early summer. So um, he's been committed for a long time. And when you guys watch this guy play, I mean, he does uh, everything you would want a rush end linebacker to do. He's got some speed moves. He's got quickness. He's got side to side. Um, I, I, I think uh, a side to side motor in terms of covering sideline to sideline. Um, I think he's he's tough. Um, and he has solid hands. The only thing that I, I saw a little bit was I think that, you know, a, a improved strength training program and um, an improved, um, you know, fit in the defense will increase his speed and his lateral quickness. And that's where I think, you know, he's probably lacking the most at this point. But I mean, he's ready to go. And, and I think fill in really nicely, um, you know, for us in uh, either a spur roll or a, or a stud. And I would say, say probably a stud behind Jalen Harris and Kylan Wilborn. Um, so what do you guys think about this? this guy. I mean, he, he is, uh, you know, my opinion, probably a top two, top three recruit in this class for us. Well, Rick, Rick is going to break this down really well, but <laughs> Rick Denice, you, you listed all these teams, LSU, you know, Mississippi state, USC, Oregon, only one school that offered him one eleven games, and that's the Fresno State Bulldogs, the powerhouse of the West coast football. <laughs> am I right? <laughs> the Jeff Tedford, 
Alamater and amazing program. <laughs> well, and and so and Edison High School is 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 uh, you know produced a lot of really awesome uh, f- football products. Uh, most recently at Arizona, I, I think probably thinking back, Robert Golden comes to mind uh, as far as Fresno Edison was concerned. Um, you know, had a little stint in the NFL with the Steelers. Um, Quabina Watson, I, I'm, I'm really high on. I, I think that you hit the nail on the head as far as what he brings to the table. He is not the linebacker that I am most excited about in this class, though. So I'm going to let you keep going. Oh, my. Well, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and that's awesome, Rick, because I'm really excited about that. And I, I want to know who that is. When I'm looking at recruiting, and I, I understand that star, I would argue that stars matter. Because when you look at the best teams, they're going to have the most elite talent. And when you put those those players with coaches that can use that talent, you have good teams. I also, though, look at the teams that are offering players, is particularly at that like three star level, which is what I think Arizona is going to have to, for the most part, fish from. Right, those kind of upper three star guys that you can build up and that have talent are able to to push through and all that stuff. When you have, and I kind of was joking about Fresno State, but when you see a player at that level that's getting offers from teams that, um, you know, for the most part are bringing in people that are more highly touted than that, that's that's always just a good sign in general. Like Rick Denice, have you seen the tape on him like in depth? Because it just that that as somebody that doesn't watch the tape, I always just that's the first thing I look at is like, all right, who else is offering this kid? Because these yeah. are the guys that are watching the tape and these are the ki- the people that actually know how to break down film and actually are able to say, okay, that guy is good. So um, what, what specifically well, does he bring to the table? Well, and, and the, I think the biggest thing, and I, I really hate watching like camp film, um, but I was kind of poking around a little bit. And I think when you're looking for, that speed rush type guy, that stud that you're looking to try and get to the quarterback that's going to be either a stand up or a hand down kind of rush rush linebacker for you. I think that you're looking at a speed guy with a ton of moves um, that can get to the quarterback quickly. And what was really, I, I guess, really eye opening, and I watched a lot of game film from his junior and senior year, but I also watched a lot of game film um, from him in this camp where he's just on a one on one matchup against a tackle. And um, I mean, he was tearing this kid up over and over again um, for five or six straight reps. So, um, you know, and, and we're talking, you know, inside swim moves, we're talking um, rolling off of him. We're talking, um, you know, a, a um, you know, over the back swim move um, coming around the outside. So, I mean, he's got a, a massive, massive, uh, um, you know, group of, of moves just on that rush end standpoint. And then again, you know, we're one thing that stuck out to me, and I think a, an overall theme that, um, you know, this coaching staff is trying to hit a bit more is motor um, and side to side, sideline to sideline coverage and watching these guys pursue and pursue quickly to the ball um, to make stops. So those are the things that stuck out to me. Uh, Rick, do you have anything else on, on him? Uh, no, no. Yeah. You know, like, like I said, Quabina Watson, I, I feel like he brings a lot to the table um, as far as his position is concerned. Um, but the guy that I'm really high on for this recruiting class is going to be Eddie Siamo. Um, the, the kid coming from America, Samoa. I, I think that, um, you know, watching the tape on him, his physicalness and, and the competitiveness that he brings to the position, I think is going to put him in a position really early to earn playing time. Um, as far as this defensive coaching staff is concerned, I think that he has a lot of the skills that they're looking for to get him onto the field early. And I think that he's the type of player that once he gets his opportunity, he's not going to let it pass him by. 
I, I, I love everything that this, that, that, that Siamo brings to the table as well. I, I think that his, his physicalness is probably what stands out most. Um, and those American Samoa players are built a little bit different. I think that you take Siamo and you put him into, uh, you, you know, a, a program in Hawaii or maybe even California. And I think that he is not a guy that flies under the radar. Um, I think that this yeah, is probably, I, yeah, probably the steal of the class as far as Arizona is concerned. Yeah. And, and I think if you read a lot of, uh, feedback from some of the experts out there that they think this kid could be one of the most underrated, uh, you know, guys in the nation coming out, um, and, and a complete steal, uh, within this class. And I, I am really happy. And, you know, we talk about something that I grew up watching in the late eighties, early nineties was the pipeline, um, to America, Samoa and Polynesian players. And I am so excited that we brought on a defense of coach, um, um, you know, that, that, you know, has a direct pipeline to these kids because they end up more often than not being tremendous athletes. And I mean, you look at Tua at, you know, at Alabama, um, or I forget the kid's name at Ole Miss, um, that, you know, these kids are now being integrated into SEC level programs and having tremendous success. So I'm really happy that we're tapping back into that pipeline that we ignored for so long, because kids like this, I think are going to be really nice finds and really great kids for the program well here's a question yeah go good rick i was just going to mention that for arizona fans who are looking to who who may not have been able to find tape on him or may not have heard much about him he'll be playing in the polynesian bowl um that's on january 19th um i believe they they showed on espn and so that'll really kind of be the first chance that we get to see him play against uh you know kids that are stateside um as far as competition is concerned um, and I have a sneaky suspicion he's going to stand out. So uh, I, Arizona fans should definitely tune in. <laughs> the yeah. Polynesian Bowl, where the shortest player on the team is a 6'5", 300-pound <laughs> <laughs> safety. <laughs> no, That's no, I, too I, true. No, I, I'm glad you mentioned that, Rick, in terms of the pipeline and also just in the, the way that these guys are built. Like, I, I'm really, really excited about him. One of the things that I do have, like in terms of questions about him, is that when you look at some of the other teams um, and people that were trying to pick him off, so Joe Salavea, Arizona alum, who's now at Oregon, was somebody who was trying to pick him off, obviously, of USC. Uh, any is, is there any reports or like anything about people? I would assume that they're trying to push him. If, he's, if he is a, as highly touted as people are saying that he is, I would assume that he has other programs that are of a higher caliber with, frankly, better defensive coordinators that are trying to get him. Do you guys know of any... Any such schools that are trying to nudge him to go elsewhere? I so I've read a little bit. I, I honestly I haven't seen where any school is a significant threat, and I I think that that is due to his relationship with Iona, um, mm-hmm. and and the relationship that they've had for it seems like a couple years from everything that I've read, at least um, if not further back. So um, I think we're in a really good position to keep this guy and and um, and and you know get him into the the fold. Rick, have you heard anything different than that? Well, I feel like USC has gone about uh, after just about every single one of our defensive players at some point um, over the it's last the New Oregon. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's New Oregon. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and I feel like the the buck didn't really stop with Willie Taggart as far as Oregon's concerned. So, you know, yeah. the, I, Arizona really benefited from a lot of early commitments, especially on the defensive side of the ball. 
And as the high school football season kind of uh, got underway, a lot of those defensive players uh, that we have coming in, especially in the secondary, which we'll start talking about here, uh, really kind of stood out and had great seasons. And that really garnered some more attention from some bigger programs. Um, yeah. And I think probably the, the biggest um, thing that this coaching staff has been able to do is to keep everyone committed. Uh, where that hasn't necessarily always been the, the the case in the past as far as Arizona commits. There's always storylines of guys switching at the last moment. Um, and this year it seems like even though guys might have flirted a little bit, it seems like for the most part they're sticking true. Yeah. Absolutely. Guys, uh, one more, uh, one more, um, guy that we, we don't want to leave out. Um, last but not least, uh, Darian Clark is, uh, the third linebacker in this class out of South, South Oak, uh, Cliff high school in Dallas, Texas, um, estimated sign on Wednesday as well. Uh, six foot one, 215 pounds, three star, uh, recruit. Um, you know, he had offers from Alabama, A&M, uh, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Jackson state. So some of the smaller schools, um, you know, down in the South. Um, you know, I, I saw him. I think he is going to be a little bit more of a project um, long term um, in the linebacker core, but definitely a guy that um, I could see gaining some weight. Um, you know, he's he plays with a tremendous uh, pad level, uh, great high motor guy, um, good speed, and he sheds blocks well. I think, you know, the, the biggest thing for him is that he's a little bit smaller um, and will have to kind of grow into his frame to be able to compete, um, you know, at a Pac 12 level. Um, but I just want to throw him out there and, uh, and, before we moved on to the cornerbacks. So um, let's move on. So Chris Rowland, um, let's, let's just start talking about the cornerback situation because I think Chris Rowland um, is going to be a, a really great piece for us um, right next to uh, Maurice Gaines. And I'm really really excited about our secondary. Um, you know, I know it looked like Swiss cheese, uh, for quite a while last year. And there were, there were times where we found some bright spots, but overall it was still pretty rough. And I think given another year for those guys that we currently have in the fold to mature and develop, um, and we get, you know, some of our starters back. Um, I think it's, it's really going to make a huge difference. And now we're looking at adding in, you know, uh, uh, cornerback um, in Chris Rowland, um, who's from William Knight High School in Palmdale, California, estimated a sign on Wednesday. He's six foot, uh, 180 pounds, and a three-star recruit. Had offers to USC, New Mexico, OSU, and uh, Oregon State, Nevada. Um, and then Maurice Gaines, who I would say is a top five recruit in this class from St. Thomas More High School out of Oakdale, um, Connecticut, um, estimated a sign on Wednesday as well. Six foot two, 185 pounds, three-star. Um, his lead recruiter was Demetrius. Martin, but he had an offer list of over 25 schools, including Fresno State, Hawaii, um, Nevada, Syracuse, Wyoming. Um, so he had, uh, you know, quite a few schools going after Wyoming. Him. Get thing- out of here, Rick, with Wyoming. Get out of here. No, <laughs> no, no they, they run a good you defense. Wyoming some representation here. <laughs> they need something. Rob would be uh, happy that you that you mentioned Wyoming. So. <laughs> guys, the biggest thing with Maurice Gaines is I saw him run in in one piece of tape, run down a running back 70 yards downfield and tackle him. So he's got a great motor. Um, I think he, he plays a great uh, man press technique on and off the ball. Um, I think he's an impact playmaker type of corner. Um, and I, I think he's going to provide an, another element of athleticism and depth that we uh, seriously need back there. Um, Rick, your thoughts on these guys? Yeah, I really like the size that Maurice Gaines brings as a cornerback, um, which is his natural position. He's, he's a true cover corner. Um, I, I really like I, I think you mentioned his press technique. I, I think he's great um, off the line. 
Um, as far as Chris Rowland is concerned, I think he's actually being recruited as more of an athlete. Uh, cornerback's probably where he'll start. I think he probably projects a little bit better as a safety, um, even though he doesn't quite have the size for it. Um, he could also play running back. Uh, I'm sorry, wide receiver. Um, so, you, you know, his, his hands are pretty decent as well, which I think would, would bring a little bit more to that cornerback position. Uh, but he's a guy that we really had to fight off USC for. Um, and I think if uh, Demetrius Martin, um, who was mentioned for the cornerback's job at USC, I think if he had kind of uh, gotten that offer and, and taken that job, I think Chris Rowland probably would have went with him um, and maybe even Maurice Gaines as well. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's just another example of how much this coaching staff has really done a, a phenomenal job of, of uh, you know, recruiting kids and, and, you know, getting these kids to buy early um, to, to Arizona to play for them. So uh, hats off to Demetrius Martin for keeping these kids locked into Arizona. Yeah, absolutely. And then let's uh, let's talk about Jackson Turner, because um, this guy was uh, a pretty highly rated guy as well. He's actually a safety uh, Rancho Verde High, Reno Valley, California. Um, he's six foot, 275 pounds, another three star guy, but number 929 overall. Um, again, his lead recruiter was Demetrius Martin cleaning up and he had offers to Arizona, ASU, Boise State, Cal, Utah, WSU. So pretty solid offer list as well. Um, I really like watching this guy play and, you you know, honestly, I didn't know a whole lot about him before we started doing some research uh, for this podcast. But after taking a look at what he's doing, he's a read and react type safety ball hawk. Um, I think he high points the football well. Um, the the biggest thing for him is that I saw him read uh, the offense and almost beat guys to a spot um, in you know 60, 70 percent of those clips um, that he had uh, you know across the board on YouTube and, and all over the web. So he's got, I think, a lot of great instincts that you want to safety to have not only in terms of pass coverage but also coming up and just hitting guys in the mouth um, up on the line and and on some of those sweeps and some of those off tackle plays that you need a safety to come up hard and fill that gap um, Brian you know overall are, are you, you seeing how you know we've complained about the secondary for a couple years straight um, you know do you think these guys can provide an impact and provide some much needed depth considering how many significant injuries we had uh, last year they're going to need to I mean I think that that's one of the things that we've seen at Arizona is where you have a secondary that even with Marcel Yates, which we gave a lot of <laughs> gave a lot of space to uh, to do his thing. I mean, we're going to need to build up our secondary. I understand that there were injuries that happened to this team this year. Um, but with that said, like Coach Meat uh, did a pretty good job uh, on terms of being able to bring in some of these guys. And it's nice to, again, see players that have a strong offer list from other, you know, high level programs. And again, this is coming from somebody that doesn't, doesn't watch the tape. I understand. I'm just kind of like here to ask questions of you guys. Like one of the questions that I have is the fact that you have a, you have a secondary that has some talent and has had some talent, but hasn't quite been able to put it together is there anything with these players that is different from some of the other guys that we brought in, in in the last couple of years? Yeah, Yeah, I think probably the, the thing that frustrates that has frustrated me the most, um, not as much this year, but uh, definitely in in past years was just the, the secondary's inability to um, make a play on the ball and and force turnovers. Um, And I think that especially with Jackson Turner, he's a kid coming out of uh, Rancho Verde high high school um, in Moreno Valley uh, he's gone up against the cream of the crop as far as California high school quarterbacks are concerned. Um, and he's forced them to make a lot of throws that they probably wouldn't have made otherwise. And, and, and even if he's not the one that intercepts the ball, 
um, the fact that they have to throw away from him so much puts his, his you know the rest of his teammates in a position to force those turnovers. Um, I think right, uh, Rancho Verde led led their league as far as uh, secondary turnovers were concerned. So um, I think that he'll he'll eventually bring that to the table at Arizona, um, and I, I think that that's what I'll be looking forward to most with the secondary is how they're going to be able to put. Um, the offense in a better position to score quick uh, with with better better ball position. Yeah, and guys, one more thing I'll add before we move on to uh, special teams is that looking at all all of these guys, I think the biggest thing, the two biggest things that stuck out to me is again how they jam guys up on the line, but also how they ran with them and their technique as they look back towards um you know the quarterback um and then went to go high point the ball to try and make a play on it when the ball was in the air and and um that's been a major frustration for me is seeing how many penalties we've racked up um by us not playing good sound technique and also how many big plays that we've given up so that's been um a really frustrating thing that i think these guys um you know potentially could have a really significant impact at coming in um and be a little further ahead in the game the other thing too is just the closing speed for uh, jackson turner while the ball balls in the air. Um, there was one clip that, you know, he was 15 yards away, um, from a, uh, wide receiver basically, uh, streaking down the sideline. And while the ball was in the air, he actually took off and gained ground on this kid, uh, to break up the pass. So it's pretty impressive to see. And, and something that I think bodes well for us and in, in our secondary, uh, come 2019, um, moving on to, to kind of wrap things up guys, uh, special teams, um, just real quick. We've got two punters in the fold. Um, Kyle, uh, Austin uh, out of Desert Vista High in Phoenix, Arizona. And then um, Cameron Weinberg actually just committed to us as a preferred walk-on. So uh, Kyle is actually, uh, you know, sitting in that scholarship spot right now. But Cameron Weinberg is a preferred walk-on and also a five-star uh, ranked uh, punter, uh, according to Cole's kicking. Um, he's also ranked 27th in the nation. So, um, you know, while we lose Dylan Klumpf, um, who I think had kind of an up-and-down year, I think we've got the potential to finally have a couple really good punters come in um, that can compete. And that I think will will provide us at least you know three or four really solid years um, of you know a, a solid punt game, which you know it's been all over the place over the last five. I feel like yeah. Well, if we can coach them up, that was one of the biggest disappointments of Arizona was the special teams this year. I mean, we had a full time, fully paid coach on special teams, which I mean. You had Rich Rodriguez that treated special teams like it was a an exotic hobby, like you know a safari adventure. <laughs> and, and then I'm like, all right, all right, we got we got a real coach, and we're going to pay him 150 thousand dollars to make sure we don't suck. And uh, we kind of sucked, guys. Like and we sucked. I, yeah, I just you know like look, I like Jeremy Springer's uh, the energy that he brings to the program. I like the fact that he's recruiting. He went out and recruited uh, Osterdorp, and and I understand that, but. He's, he's got to prove it, right? Like you get a five-star punter. Well, here, here's a perfect example. You bring somebody in from Cal who was an excellent punter in the conference. And then the fact that we're saying he had a, a back and forth year. I mean, this is one of the better special teams players in the conference last year. I just look, it's good. Again, having the actual talent is 80, eh, like 60% of the battle <laughs> CUSC and UCLA. Um, so I'm glad that we have them, but I would, I would like to see some development of talent on the special teams side, but I could be Debbie Downer on that front. I don't know what you guys think. 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I honestly am really interested to see because I think this is these two guys are going to be who Jeremy Springer hangs his coaching hat on um, and whether or not he makes it out of uh, Arizona, um, either as a you know recently hired coach to a better position um, or a recently fired coach to um, a different position or he just gets demoted to another um, you know part of the Arizona staff. I think at the end of the day, uh, it is it, it is such a game changer when we have have a solid punting game versus what we had, you know, a couple years ago, which was hit and miss and 15 yard punts that go out of bounds. Oh, yeah. um, and all of a sudden the team's starting at the 40 yard line. So um, I, I, that's, that's, those are my two cents. Rick, do you have anything to add? Um, not really. I mean, they're punters. Um, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing it's, though. It's, like just kick the damn ball down the field. Like it's, it's not that I mean, difficult. It's, <laughs> it's, it's cool. It's cool that we found one that was worthy enough to, to, to garner a scholarship. Um, you know, guys, I, 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 I'd, I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather give that scholarship to, you know, like, uh, you know, some badass junior college offensive lineman, but that's just me. Yeah. yeah. I want to, I want to get the best possible special teams players, like, whether it's a kicker or a punter and give them a scholarship. Like, I, I think that they're worth it. Like how many times have we missed those hidden yards as an Arizona program? And so again, like shouts to our coaching staff for bringing you, in- you only want the guys for Twitter fodder. You just want to be able to have somebody that you can talk about and, and have people, you know, like and retweet your stuff. No, no. And, and, and share uh, louds of praise and, you know, throw olive branches at them and everything. No, I, I would love to see uh, an Arizona special teams unit that quite, quite frankly, didn't frighten me every time that they came out on the field. <laughs> guys, I, I, it would be really interesting for us to go back 10 years and see how many games we lost based on uh, special teams, uh, either the punting game or the kicking game. I would guarantee it is, um, you know, 30, 40% of, of um, our losses come from those types of situations because we've been so terrible at it for so long. Well, and everybody so. gives Nick Folk a body massage, right? Oh, Nick Folk, Nick Folk. He was great. Yeah, it was great his senior year. He was trash as freshman through junior. I was there. I was in the stands watching him lose games for us. Like, don't you dare come at me and say that Nick Folk is a, an American hero. <laughs> I mean, he did play in the NFL, so I guess we got to give him that. He, he, he eventually developed. You so. know what? So did there Kobe Simmons. Like, he'll be fine in the NFL. He didn't do crap for us when he's playing. <laughs> well, let's guys, let's to finish out, let's uh, talk about who we might – uh, sign and who's still out there um, on the board. And Rick, why don't I turn to you and, and have you talk about, you know, who your favorite, uh, you know, guy is still left on the board that we could potentially sign uh, coming up here in the next couple of days or, or through February. Yeah. So I, I think potentially, um, you know, the best players of this class are still as of yet, not publicly committed to Arizona. Uh, but I think that we'll probably see them sign their names on the dotted lines on Wednesday. Um, and it's two guys that I'm really excited about, both from Houston, Texas, uh, you know, where we've definitely tried to, to establish some roots this year as a coaching staff. Uh, first and foremost would be uh, cornerback Bobby Wolf from Madison High School. Um, he's the he, he's the kind of guy that will probably come in and play right away as a freshman. I can see him earning starting time um, pretty much right away. He's that good of a cornerback and high school prospect. Um, if his uh, you know if, if he qualifies and signs with Arizona. He'll be, you know, on, on campus, and, and I, I think that he'll give himself a tremendous shot at, at, at that starting job. Um, but, you know, there's there's still some questions there as far as, you know, what he needs to do in order to, to make all of that happen. So as long as he gets that cleared up, I think that uh, that he signs with Arizona. 
and I think that if he didn't have those issues, he probably would be, uh, you know, looking at more of a uh, Alabama, LSU, Florida type of offer sheet. So um, I think he would be a real steal. And the other guy would I'll be, take a test um, for him, Rick. I'll take a test for him. It's all right. Yeah, do it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and, and, and the other guy that I would be really excited about would actually be Grant Gannell's teammate and number one wide receiver, Jalen Curry, um, out of St. Pius X. Um, a tremendous talent at wide receiver, obviously a great target for Grant Gannell over the years. They already have that connection, that, that ability to work together. Um, it sounds like Noel Mazzoni has really put in the work as far as getting Curry to, to look at Arizona, um, you know, where over some schools, I mean, Auburn offer Penn state, Tennessee, LSU, his offer sheet is off the charts as well. So if uh, they can close that, um, and you know, I, I mentioned there's an offensive lineman that's probably committed that we ha- uh, that isn't publicly committed yet. It, 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 a young man by the name of Caleb Boateng out of Fort Lauderdale High School. It's probably going to be either Arizona or Maryland at this point, um, and I think that Arizona fans will be happy to see him sign with Arizona on Wednesday. So three guys that are not yet publicly committed that I think we might see with Arizona. Um, and I think probably three of the better players in this class to add on at the last minute, which uh, I think is really, I mean, you know, we hated the way that things ended as far as the season was concerned, you know, ending with five and seven, but the fact that we didn't uh, go to a bowl game this year gave the coaches a lot of opportunity, not only to get up there and, and seal the deal with these guys that we already have committed, but also to get their foot in the door with some of these guys um, and to, to really establish that relationship. So, you know, silver linings as far as that's concerned. And, and guys, I'll add one more. So Peyton fears out of Hutchinson community college um, is a three-star and he's uh, six foot six, 327 pounds. Um, it kind of seems like if uh Boteng doesn't sign with us um, that they would, you know, put the full court press on Peyton fears to see if they could get him to commit. Cause he's got offer an, a pretty decent offer sheet from Arizona, Missouri, uh, West Virginia. Um, so, you know, just another guy to keep an eye on, um, you know, out there late. If, uh, if Boteng decides to go uh, somewhere else, um, guys, if, if we finish out this class and have, you know, two four star guys and we fill a position of need again with, I, you know, I would say a pretty solid three star prospect in Boateng, um, you know, to me, this class really stacks up and takes shape to to kind of. I think put us in a really solid position moving into next year and addressing some major areas of need um, that we absolutely had to get filled with some really high quality, high caliber guys um, that could start right away. And then a few projects that we took a flyer on that I think could really have nice careers um, as we go along. Um, You know, what are your final thoughts on this class before we kind of wrap up? Well, so I think even with those four-star guys and Boateng added in, I don't think that that elevates Arizona's Pac-12 ranking as far as uh, the rankings are concerned. Above eighth, probably, as far as nationally. Yeah. Um, which is really a shame because, I, you know, I, as we've gone over here, I think that there's definitely some gems in here um, and some guys that uh, this coaching staff has the opportunity to develop. I think it gives Kevin Sumlin... Uh, a really good kind of first step as far as what he is going to be doing at Arizona. And now he has the opportunity to prove with some of these guys that he can develop players at a school like Arizona. Um, And so, you know, I feel like it fills a lot of positions of need. I feel like, uh, you know, as we've talked about, the coaching staff went out and got players where they felt, uh, you know, players that could help really early. 
um, and, you know, only kind of took a couple of big swings with one or two projects. Um, so, you know, it's, it's going to be a class that I think ultimately at Arizona will look at, you know, as Kevin Sumlin's first real class. Um, and it'll be kind of the defining class as far as the direction of the program is concerned. Um, you know, and if, you know, we can get some of these kids in and they can get early planning time, I think that that only helps to establish those, uh, recruiting routes in Texas, um, and Florida and some of these other places that these coaches are going to be going into. Um, the fact that kids can now come and, and play in up to four games before they make a decision as far as their college football career is concerned, uh, you know, as far as their red shirt is concerned, I think really helps. Um, you know, so that 2020 class, I think we'll probably see some much higher ranked guys take a flyer on Arizona just based on what this recruiting class is going to be able to come in and do early next year. Yeah. Hey, Brian, I, so, uh, yeah, I have a big picture question because so I got into it with Eric Townsend at uh, Zona Zealots about Arizona football recruiting. And and it's fine. Like, I'm, I'm OK with doing this. I think it was like a good conversation to have. And it's it's basically surrounding what Arizona football recruiting is and what it can be. So my whole thing was we have a, a top 50 class Okay, whatever. Like, I'm not blown away by that. I'm not super impressed by that. Yeah, we're, we're having some players. I understand that. Um, I would anticipate a good, like, if we if we found the right coaching staff, and it might be this coaching staff. I don't know. I'm just more just in, like, three years into the future. If you find the right coaching staff, what is the baseline recruiting for Arizona? Like, what would you find acceptable in the sense of, like, our ranking nationally? Well, so I guess I'll start. So I, I think that nationally we've always hovered, uh, you know, we have a few years and I think Stoops actually had, um, you know, a, a, you know, a pretty high propensity to, to land, you know, the best classes in Arizona football within the past 20 years. I would say that normally we're bringing in, I would say medium to high level three-star caliber guys. Occasionally we'll bring in a couple four-star caliber guys. Um, and then, you know, every once in a while you get a high-end um, five-star guy. Like, you know, I think the biggest bust we can all agree, at least within, uh, you know, how I remember Arizona football is Louis Holmes, Louis Holmes yeah. uh, <laughs> as a five-star uh, way back uh, underneath Stoops. But um, even so, that was Juco, like, uh, you know, yeah. it was, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think I, and honestly, I think that no matter what, I think it's hard to recruit to Arizona. And I think it's hard to keep guys, especially the guys as Arizona football has really developed, um, you know, within the state, um, keeping guys home and not having them go to, you know, big power names um, or go over to USC, UCLA, um, even when they're down, I think has been really difficult. And I think where it starts is, is, you know, if we can be a top 30, top 40 level program year in, year out, I think it really gives us a shot to have a solid, sustainable program that we we get eight, nine, ten wins out out of year over year, but I think that that is going to be a hard thing to do, um, and, and potentially even harder than it was um, under when ASU was under Todd Graham because of the m- momentum that they now have under Herm Edwards. So um, I I I look at it as you know a very complex problem and not just something where you can say, oh yeah, you know you're going to bring in another staff and it's going to completely fix us, or hey, we're going to build you know an indoor practice facility and all of a sudden get 
four or five star guys. I think that um, you know the, this staff going after Texas hard and going after California and going to their roots, I think is really going to pay a lot of dividends. And I would anticipate us if we have good years, um, you know, good years by Arizona standards, being a top forty class year over year. Yeah, top four. Okay, I, I was wondering kind of what the final number would be. It would be top forty. What do you think, Rick? Like a big picture too, not just the number, but where we should. Yeah, be. I th- I think if you're the type of Arizona fan who's going to rely every year on national rankings as far as what you're going to deem, you know, the quality of the recruiting class is going to be, I think you're going to be really disappointed, uh, regardless of the coach that you're going to bring in. Um, Just for the simple fact that with these recruiting sites and uh, with rankings in general, everything has become so political. Um, you know, as far as the college football landscape is concerned, if you don't think that there's a ton of money in the fact that Alabama can go out and say that they have the number one composite national recruiting class every year, uh, you're dead wrong. Well, sweet um, Moses, Rick, like look at Alabama yeah. though. <laughs> like, holy well, Exactly. You know, I, I get it. But, They're like a 14 you know, point this, favorite over their college. But at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, you, you have a kid in Grant Gannell. Okay, who's a four-star everything, you know, ranked top 300 as far as high school players in the nation are concerned, commits to Arizona, shows up and has one bad camp as far as an Elite 11 camp is concerned, and he gets dropped down about 200 spots in the ranking um, and and now is a composite three-star. It's absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, his high school play this year proved everything wrong. There's no reason why this kid shouldn't be a highly ranked four-star kid um, by any stretch of the means. Um, and, and the fact that he's been knocked so far down because he's an Arizona recruit kind of shows you a little bit as you know, what Arizona's up against. Arizona's not a sexy name as far as recruits are concerned. They're not going to be out there beating their chests on Twitter or Instagram or anything else with Arizona offers. All you're going to get is an Arizona offer, you know, post. Uh, you're, you, you, it's 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 not something that has been established at Arizona yet, and it may never be. Uh, what I want to look at as far as recruiting classes are concerned is, uh, you know, our our coaches going out and getting players uh, that want to work uh, and and come in and make a name for themselves. I think you have to have really good recruiting coaches on your staff to be able to go out and identify those guys who will be able to come to your school, who aren't going to get caught up in the limelight of getting all these other offers from, from bigger institutions where they may go and sit on the bench, um, you know, and eventually transfer and things like that. I, I think probably um, the other thing that you want to judge recruiting classes are, are, are by retention. You know, how many of these guys end up going all the way through your program? Um, I don't want to be bringing in guys who are going to be transferring out after one year. I don't want to be bringing in guys who are going to be getting in trouble and getting kicked off of the team. I think that this coaching staff so far has done a pretty good job at, at being able to do that. And I think that, you know, if they continue to do that, Arizona will continue to put out quality football programs year in and year out that will make bowl games. And I think that that's the peak for Arizona football as it stands now until the landscape of college football changes. And, and, you know, that's just the simple matter of fact that at the end of the day, we're all fans. We need to have a good time and enjoy uh, hopefully some good football because, uh, you know, it's it's the the college football isn't changing as far as the top 10 teams um, anytime soon. Uh, there's just too much money in it for him. So, uh, you know, sorry to be a little bit of downer towards the end of the podcast, but there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> no, no, but, but what's the number? Like what, what would you be I mean? like, I, I understand. Okay. Whatever. Like, let's pretend that these rankings are all political, like hundred percent political in, in a real, let, let's say that they weren't in, in a real world. What would be acceptable as an Arizona fan in terms of bringing in top talent? 
like what what type of recruiting class ranking over the course of like two or three years? Well, I mean, Mike Stoops proved that you can bring top 25 recruiting classes to Arizona. Yep. Um, so, you know, a bar has been set as far as that's concerned. But, um, you know, am I going to be disappointed if we don't have a top 25 recruiting class every year? Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, yeah. well, I think that's fair, too. But what would be the number? <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't need to be a number. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> there has to be some. You have to have benchmarks. Goals. Goals and numbers Because if I say if I say it should be top 40 and then, you know, two seasons from now, Kevin Sumlin has a 44-ranked recruiting class, you know, it's not going to be, well, Rick, are you disappointed in this recruiting class because it's not top 40? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no. You're going to average not, it out over time, right? That's what I'm saying. So, we we got to have top, top 100. So long, as, so long as we stay in the top 100, oh I'm happy. Gosh. How about that? Yeah. yeah. I, it's, so, like, I think the thing that's frustrating is is this idea that Arizona can't be um, – can't be fairly good like right like my expectations for arizona's recruiting class aren't super high like right if we're in the i said i said upper 30s but i meant upper 30s in the sense of like the higher number so if we're between 35 and 49 like consistently and we're bringing in some good players like we have some pipelines i think that's fine I, like yeah. i think most arizona fans would take that too particularly the ones that have been following this program for like decades or i mean i've been following this for about 10 years rick i know it's been longer with you because because you spent a significant amount of time of your life in tucson like in arizona stoops showed that you can bring some decent talent to this program and over time, you know, there was some factors that changed how we were able to develop that talent on the field. So we certainly brought them into the NFL, but there is a benchmark on what Arizona can be. And I think it's fine for fans to take a look at that and say, hey, like, how can we get there if we're continuing to do f- top 50 classes, it, particularly yeah. when we have a coach that's known for recruiting over a number of years? Like, right, it's pretty early for someone. So I'm not trying to be a knee jerk reactionary and I'm not like I. I'm, I would just like for the fan base, whether it's Arizona basketball or Arizona, or Arizona football, to start putting some benchmarks. Like, okay, let's let's uh, take a look now and see where we're at, and then bookmark that and look two years into the future. On that front, it'll be interesting to see what this recruiting class ends out at, at the end of the year in terms of ranking, and then whether or not that we can develop that talent in the future. Um, I don't know. I think it's okay to take a look and say, oh, like top 50 class so we'll probably get into to the mid 40s which is fine that's okay um but it's yeah. okay to say hey y'all like we're two weeks before signing day and we're in the 50s like that's probably not great because one of the biggest things that was the draw of kevin sumlin was to be able to recruit talent and that was one of the things that that's why we paid him two and a half million dollars yeah. is that is that outlandish is that am i being unfair no, no, I, I don't think you're being unfair. I think, but I think what we need to do is step back and not evaluate the class, um, especially with this class, um, as it sits, you know, come Wednesday uh, or come February, but evaluate it a year from now or two years from now to determine where guys like this, guys that are mid to high three star guys um, and guys that, you know, potentially are four star guys wind up in terms of the, you know, the, the Pac 12. Uh, all conference teams. I mean, you take a guy like Con Schooler, who basically came out of nowhere, and yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. he got he got completely job. But but my my point is is that you the the, the high level teams that are recruiting four and five star guys year in year out, and Ohio State I, I think is a perfect example are hitting uh, at a higher rate. 
than you know than we would with most of these guys. So that I think the real trick is is if you're Arizona is a you have to take. Um, uh, you basically have to take advantage of momentum, and um, you know I can argue that that I think Arizona <laughs> is probably that, <laughs> right now. and we have had none for for quite <laughs> quite a few years. Um, and going all the way back to the Oregon Arizona overtime game where we could have went to the Rose Bowl, I think that was uh, a perfect example to seize momentum. But you have those program defining um, wins and seasons, and at Arizona, you only get one every five to six five to seven years. So I think that's a big thing. And then I think the other thing is for this staff, especially early on is to find these guys that are going to be diamonds in the rough. And, and you could argue that Grant Gunnell Gunnell is, is in that boat. I mean, he was a four-star quarterback that basically got downgraded because he got hurt. And then, you know, since then, you know, the offer still stood, but, but everybody really cooled off on him after that happened. And if he comes in and just lights the world on fire and we can get him to become an all, you know, conference uh, quarterback behind Khalil Tate um, after Khalil leaves, um, I would argue if we can find five or six guys that are like that, they can fill in this class. I think that will really propel us to what the 2020 uh, class could potentially be or the 2019 class could potentially be uh, moving into 2020. So um, I, that would be my my take. I think you're realistic as an Arizona fan, Brian, um, as unfortunate it is to, to hear those words leave my, my mouth. Um, and I think that <laughs> as – as the, although college football continues to progress and move forward, um, you know, in this linear timeline of, uh, you know, big power schools that, you know, fall off the face of the earth and then come back again. I think Arizona football has always stood, um, in the same place in terms of where we're at. We're, we're a middle of the road PAC 12 team that has no real recruiting base, um, and has to go to California and Texas to have really successful kids that come into a program that make really successful seasons yes yeah all of that and i want to hear rick powell's thoughts on this but a, a couple retorts to that and then rick powell I want, I want to hear what you want to think and then we can all go back and forth a couple things the first is when you talk about momentum rick denice one of the pieces of momentum that we can add is a new coach and and bringing in a new coaching staff that's exciting and has the ability to recruit and you know looking at this recruiting class it's fine like we have some good pieces but we that that momentum is gone next year unless we continue to start unless we start winning right so that was one of the the hopes for me as an Arizona fan was to take a look at what was happening now and say okay like maybe we can bring in a coach that can recruit and bring in some folks from Texas and we have to some extent but it's not nearly at the level that I had and not nearly it's not quite at the level that I anticipated I think that's fair to say I think the second thing is when it comes to Arizona football Yes, I know that there hasn't been a great history here, but it's not like we can't be a cycle up team. You know, a team that that recruits fairly well at the upper three star, lower four star and, you know, maybe some diamonds in the rough. And, you know, over the course of two years, cycles up, wins nine games, you know, sinks back to six and six, wins nine games. Like, you know, as you develop the talent over time and maybe it's kind of like Oregon State under Gary Anderson. Like we could do that at Arizona. There's nothing in our way. Like if you can build a program in Syracuse or Pullman, Washington or Palo Alto, where you have uh, really strict academic standards, you have to you can only accept a certain number of players. You can certainly build a program that's fairly watchable <laughs> at, in Tucson. So I just, it drives me nuts when you, there's fans that go out there and say like, ah, Arizona football is what it is. Like, yeah, it has been. That doesn't mean that it can't be in the future. Rick Powell. Uh, 
Well, I'll, I'll say this, right? So, like, uh, you know, as far as, like, our rankings are concerned, we, we're hung up on the fact that we're 8th or ninth in the Pac-12, which we have pretty much consistently been, you know, over the last half a decade or so. Um, but none of those teams that out-recruited us made the college football playoff this year either. So, I mean, we're getting a little bit more meta as far as that's concerned. Well, we don't want to be playing. Like, like, is Arizona going to make the, the playoff? The Pac-12 has its own issues. The Pac-12 has its own issues as far as that's concerned, but I don't know. What did you want? What did you want my opinion on, Brian? I don't know. Like I'm whether, just... whether or not Arizona football can be better. Sure, absolutely, it could be better. I think probably Kevin Sumlin. Um, you know, this year, I think he was really respectful um, as far as what he had. Uh, you know, with the players that he had on the roster, he gave everyone a year to kind of figure it out um, and to figure out if they wanted to be a part of his Arizona team. Um, and I think that uh, we saw some players step up into that role and others not. And so I think that this offseason we'll see a really big purge. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of players transferring out of the program, as there should be. You know, if you if you are going to fit into to what Kevin Sumlin is trying to do at Arizona, um, go ahead and move on. Um, I, I think probably one of the things with this recruiting class that was, you know, we didn't really talk about that was also, you know, kind of a, a, a rock weighing down Kevin Sumlin was just the lack of scholarships that were available for this year. Because uh, we weren't graduating anybody this year. We didn't have any seniors in this program because Rich Rodriguez recruited a bunch of players who would leave early and get hurt and end their careers. Um, so, you know, with a, a limited number of scholarships, I think that the staff did what they could. And um, I, I'm, I'm excited because I think that um, with what we're bringing in, I think that uh, Kevin Sumlin will be able to start to piece together a program that is competitive in this Pac-12, um, especially in the Pac-12 South, where the, the dynamics are kind of shifting a little bit as far as where the traditional powers lie. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, overall, the, the, the coaching, as the coaching gets better in the Pac-12, I think Kevin Sumlin is going to be a coach that stands out as far as that's concerned, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So, some good weapons coming in, I, and you know the, you can always turn it around. Do I think that Arizona is going to be able to bring in top ten recruiting classes ever? No, no. not really. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but, but like that's a straw man, right? Like but, we're nobody's saying that we should. Nobody's saying we should go to the the playoffs. Nobody's saying we should bring in a top ten recruiting class. It's just how many for, times for, ha- for, mm-hmm. for for me, what I want to see continue to happen is for us to recruit. Texas more so than California. I think probably the biggest problem is in the Pac-12 is that uh, you know it's it's these kids from California that feed into these programs, and I don't think that the kids from California. I, I might get bashed for this a lot because I know that there's a lot of pride as far as California, you know, football is concerned. It's not Texas football. It's not Florida football. It's not even Georgia football at this point. Georgia, the state of Georgia, is tremendous as far as the the talent that it's producing right now. That's and I think point. that I think that you have to establish your program in those states in order to be a competitive college football team now. And I, I think that that's probably why the Pac-12 isn't able to uh, to get national recognition as far as being able to put a team out there that can compete with some of these other schools. Um, and, and, you know, and the fact that Arizona has identified that early and is going to try and uh, buck that trend a little bit, I think will bode well for them in the future. It's it's just, I think the thing that's been frustrating on my end is I have, for the last five years, read articles about, oh, you don't have to worry about stars. Like, Rich Rodriguez brought in a loaded wide receiving core, <laughs> like which is just clearly not the case. You looked at the wide receiving core we had this year. Yeah, they're all, they're all small and fast, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that they're good. Like, you know, that doesn't mean that they can be physical against physical corners when, when you're playing good teams. And, and it just is frustrating where you see these articles 
and you see these tweets about, oh, this player is going to be awesome. And the, like at some point, the stars do matter. And, and I mean that in the sense of like the upper three stars matter too. like being able to bring in players that have high interest from from teams that really have legitimate skin in the game uh it matters and we haven't been able to do that i think i've just been burned so much by the okg and and these articles that are really soft on what our recruiting class uh, is in the sense of like oh like we have a million diamonds in the rough here i think we have some decent players on this class for this team to get to being a cycle up program where every two years you can win a decent amount of games like it we're gonna need to step up our our game and we don't have the momentum right now. So I don't know. I'm, I'm just a no. little bit worried, but you know, just, I think it's fine to throw it out there without being, you know, I think that's reasonable. Well, and guys, I guess to kind of put a bow on this is, you know, it's one thing to go out and, and recruit these guys. And it's a whole nother thing to develop these guys. And quite frankly, I think under Rich Rodriguez's staffs, uh, one of the biggest issues that I had was that a lot of the guys didn't seem to develop much from their freshmen to their senior years. Um, and, and I think that that is what leads to us viewing some of these recruiting classes and some of these guys as misses because either they missed on the fact that the guy doesn't have the right motive or the right mentality for major high-level college football and to be successful, um, or they're missing on the fact that they can't develop that type of guy or that type of athlete to support. So that's a, one other thing, too, I think that we should pay close attention to Kevin Sumlin as we get you know, a year or two down the road, and also um, all of his assistants that you know we're giving some kudos to to see you know how do they develop these guys that may have not been the highest-rated prospects coming out um, into you know high-level, high-caliber high Pac-12 guys um and where does that put us um you know in terms of a position to win you know the south win the conference etc cetera, etc cetera. so um guys anything else that's it on my end okay all right well um this has been the uh, arizona football winter signing special uh with wildcat radio guys thanks so much for the time again you guys can find us um on any podcast uh networks um including itunes podcast podcatcher podbean um you know etc 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 uh we also are on wildcatradioaz.com so come check us out and uh bear down